0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us this morning. We thank you so much that the Word of God is valid all the time. And I pray, Father, that we would take the Word of God and, and not only understand it, but allow it to richly soak in our heart and allow it to direct us and convince us and convict us and to grow us and help us, Father, to fall under its direction in our lives. Help me as I preach today. I always need your help, and I always ask for it. Help the ears and the hearts of the people hearing. Help those that are listening online, that they would be equally as encouraged this morning. We give this time to you. It's yours, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we find Paul talking about that um, he's been given ministry. And that ministry is the ministry of winning people to Christ. He calls it the ministry of reconciliation. And what that is, is he's going out and telling people that Jesus is the Son of God and they need Christ as their own personal Savior. And so Paul, we all know him as probably the first greatest missionary, and he traveled over and over again three, maybe four missionary journeys, depending on how you cut him up and he gave his life, laid it down, and it wasn't easy. These chapters describe his heart and his calling. I would like to superimpose West Side Baptist Church and you and me on these chapters today. The Bible was given as a template for our learning. So we're not just studying, oh, good for you, Paul. I see your heart. Amen. I'm glad you did it. They were given for us to imitate for us to learn and grow and stretch ourselves by. So let's take that in mind, that this is Paul telling us how our heart should engage in the ministry. So look at verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So he talks about, as we have received this ministry, this ministry of reconciliation. Do you notice what he says there? As we have received mercy ourselves, we faint not. And the idea of fainting is he's not going to quit. I find a lot of people start out fast, and they stop pretty quick. They're good starters. They get motivated. uh, They start to do something, but they don't finish. I tell you, in our Christian life, as far as the ministry of winning other people to Jesus, we shouldn't get less as we have more understanding and we see the the need, we should accelerate. We should get more bold in our witnessing, not less bold. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time, listen to me, when was the last time that you went through the gospel with somebody? When was the last time that you passed out a tract and asked somebody to read it? When was the last time that you begged and prayed and asked God to help you bring someone to church so they could hear the gospel preached from this pulpit? Are you engaging actively in the ministry of reconciling men and women? This is not just to the church as this big ethereal thought. This is to you and me as an individual. As we have received mercy, as we have received Christ, now we have that ministry of reconciliation we should not faint. Have you fainted? Have you dropped off? I find that sometimes I have to get myself going. Many many years ago, just after I started West Side Baptist Church, we had a revival meeting with a really good evangelist. And that was back 30 some 40 years ago where people were still a lot of mamas were still at home. Most everybody seems like everybody works. So in the mornings we would go out during the revival meeting and we were visiting ladies and were home and tried to encourage them. They hadn't been at the Revolve yet, trying to get them out. So we had a list, and we were going. And as I went with this evangelist, every place we went, we stopped at Stop and Go to get a little drink or fill up with gas. Boom. Every person at every pump he talked to. We walked up to the door at somebody of the apartment and we talked to this individual. Every door around, he left a track. and as we walked to, he, he left it in the car beside it. And I mean, everywhere. By the time I got home that morning, my heart said, boy, have you slipped off the wagon, Pastor Buds. Can I ask you a question? Have you fainted in your ministry? I thank God that my neighbor didn't faint in their ministry. Every Sunday from the time I was old enough to get in the car to go with them until I was 17 years old, my neighbor took me to Jesus. I got saved. I got grounded. I got discipled. I got called. God helped me to get off to a Christian college. I'm glad that a neighbor did not faint in their ministry. They didn't give up. Every Sunday morning, the phone call would come. Are you kids going to Sunday school today? Mom, do we have to go to Sunday school? If you want to go skating, yes, we're going. Have you fainted in your ministry? When was the last time you had somebody in your car to you brought them to church? When was the last time you wrote a salvation note to your relative and tried to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ? As we have received mercy, he says, we faint not. Look at verse 2 and 3. He says, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. He said, you know what? We're not out trying to trick people to heaven. There was somebody that talked about this idea years ago that you use some dishonest means, some unbiblical means, some unrighteous things, but you stick the gospel in it like you try to trick a child into taking some medicine, so you put it in orange juice, and maybe they'll swallow it before they realize it. Listen, that's not the way you give the gospel. He said, we don't use it by trickery or dishonesty. We've renounced that. Do you know what? We need to take the gospel straight and clear to the hearts of mankind. Just tell them, Jesus Christ is God's Son. He died for you. I was a sinner going to hell. So are you. I accepted Christ as my Savior. The Bible says it's the only way. Take the straight gospel. We, You know, at church here, we may have some different efforts. We might have some special music. We might have some contests. But we don't disguise the gospel. The gospel is the main thing. A church, an individual that stops giving the gospel has lost its purpose in life. So... He says, we have renounced that. Look at verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Could I remind you, if you somehow have stopped allowing the gospel, and the image here is that you've allowed a, a veil to come across your gospel so that you're just secretive, you're just, you go about, you're a Christian, you're not denying Jesus, but but you're not radiating the light of Christ out of your life. If your gospel be hid... It's not going to affect where you go. It's going to affect those that never hear. And could I challenge you this morning? You may be secure in the fact that you know Jesus Christ, and I hope you are. If you're here without Christ, you need Jesus Christ as your Savior. But is your gospel just hid in your house? The Bible says that we need to take that light and put it on a candlestick and hold it up a high. We sing it with the kids all the time. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus Christ comes. Shine all over Katie. I'm going to let it shine. This is the idea. But if I hide my candle, I hide the gospel, I just selfishly, because I don't want anybody to think evil of me, I don't want somebody to rebuff me because they don't want the gospel. I'm I, I, I just going to keep it to myself. I'm busy working my own life. I don't have time to take the gospel. If my gospel is hid, the person that suffers is the person that doesn't hear. And I challenge us. God put you in the neighborhood that you're in. God put you in the apartment complex you're in. God put you at the job you're in. God put you at the school you're in. God put you in your situation, and he wants you to let it shine. Years ago, I'm not trying to make it political, but one of our presidents, the first President Bush, talked a lot about the Points of Light Foundation. And what he was talking about if everybody in our country did good things and we were all helping our neighbors, let all those little lights. shine, shine in all the neighborhoods, we could really have a bright light. America could be a bright place to live. And there's a lot of truth in that. Wouldn't you agree? We all should be good neighbors. Hey, a hundred thousand times that our light should shine as Christians with the gospel. And if each one of us were to let the gospel shine, just think how bright the gospel witness would be in America. Talk about the pulpits, yes. Talk about the airwaves, yes. But it really is one by one is how you win people to Christ. You bring them because people witness to them. Verse 4 in whom the God of this world hath blinded their minds. Can I tell you, this world doesn't know the gospel. Their minds have been blinded, blinded by the God of this world, blinded by, oh, a lot of prejudices against Christians, a lot of misunderstandings. Do you know a lot of people think you get to heaven? This is their their version of Christianity. Down at that church, you have to do a list of good things. If you become a Christian, then you can't do this, but you have to do a list of good things. And that's all their mind is. Christians are people that don't do this, but they do this. And if I get saved, I won't be able to do this anymore. And I'm not ready. They don't understand that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to take my sin burden. And he nailed it to his cross. And he paid for it and he pushed my sins out of the way and he laid his righteousness upon me and he died and he was buried and he rose again. God the Father raising him up, showing that we can have that same victory someday. The gospel needs to be made clear. We need to explain it to people. So he goes on and he says, this world's been blinded. They don't understand the gospel. Another thing that it's blinded with is they're blinded with the gods of this world, materialism. Materialism, what is that? They just want stuff. And they're working their head off for more and more and more. I, I can remember several years ago when 99 was just being built, and I was driving down the other side of I-10, and I was looking at some of these new home subdivisions. And I, this is like 10 years ago. And I looked up on the, you know, the Good Homes. This subdivision is the $700,000 plus. This is only for the $500,000. This subdivision is for the $900,000 plus. And while you look at these big, beautiful, you know, double-deckered things and pools in their backyard, and I'm thinking, who makes that kind of money? And it goes on. Block after block after mile after mile. And I'm thinking, wow, that's amazing. But you know, I, I also understand this. Many people that live in a home like that never even get to enjoy it because they 're working eighty to 90 hours a week, and they come home, wives and pas- husbands passing each other, not seeing their children that are farmed out, and they're so they're, this world has got a hold of their their mind they don't have time for church, and they've been blinded by this rat race of materialism, and unless somebody comes to them and says, "You know one day this is all going to be and God." And you need Jesus Christ as your personal savior. This is the job that we've been given, verse 5. For we preach not ourselves. You know, we're not preaching West Side Baptism. I, I like to joke, and I like to say, no, we're not West Side Baptists, we're best side Baptists. Well, we may be, but I would we'll still call it West Side. Okay. We love our church. It's a good church. We're not the only church in town. We're not, we're not, we're it's Jesus Christ. He is the head, we are the body. We don't preach ourselves, look what it says there, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. Boy, you put all the good, Jesus, Savior, Christ, he's the Savior, the Lord. He is your Lord, he is your master. You need to bow down and receive him as your Savior, Christ Jesus, the Lord. And ourselves? not your bosses, not our program. What's our job? Servants to the gospel for you. We're here to help people find Christ. We're we're people that are aiding and helping the gospel to go forward. We're helping the Lord Jesus Christ to come to the hearts of people we're not lords over people. We're not bosses over society. It's Jesus Christ the Lord, and we're the servants of people to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6 For God who hath commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts. Do you remember the day you got saved? I do. I was saved in a hay bieler. I was just recently talking to my sister Jeannie. She's the one that shared with me the gospel. And I can picture my mind and my heart in that day going around that hay field. My grandfather had died in February. This is June. And I'm asking my sister, where did my grandfather go? She said, if he, if he didn't have Jesus Christ as his savior, then he went to hell. But if he had Jesus Christ in his heart, then he's in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. And she said, do you have Jesus in your heart? I said, I need him. And right there on a hay baler, I bowed my head and accepted Jesus Christ. As I remember it. The light shone in my heart. It was like a, a, a scales were removed back. I understood what Christ did and who he was and what I needed to do in response. And by faith, I received him. The light has shone in my heart. to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you remember that day? It was a beautiful day, wasn't it? We could stand and have people talk about it, but look at verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not ourselves. Do you know my my body is just a bunch of dirt? We're going through the book of Genesis in my Bible class at school. And I said, do you know what the word Adam means? It means red man. And so where Adam was created, it must have been red dirt. Sort of like over in Georgia and South Carolina, they have all that dirty red. I mean, God reached down and he took that dirt and he made, and my thing came off, didn't it? He took that dirt and he made it into a man. We're just people in earthen vessels just earthen vessels. I'm nothing. And you know, I can't help but be reminded that my father-in-law, just this past week, that dirt returned to the ground. We're just earthen vessels. Do you know the gospel is not because of me? It's because of Christ. Our salvation is not... Boy, I love Pastor Butts, or I love this preacher. I love Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. That the power, when people get saved through our ministry, it doesn't reside in the ability of this flesh. The power to see lives change is from the power of God. You know, this morning, if there's somebody here that accepts Jesus Christ as our Savior, it's because God's working in your heart, not because Pastor Butts is speaking so slick. Well, I learned a long time ago, some of my, quote, best prepared messages, they hit a wall like a, like a red brick. Bam, that's it. Other times when I feel like my tongue is inserted backwards and I can hardly talk and get the message out and it seems like I can hardly speak, and boy, the responses are all over. It's not of man. It's the power of God that works in lives. Look at verse 7, verse 8. We are troubled on every side. Yet not distressed. We are perplexed, not despaired, persecuted, not forsaken, cast down, not destroyed, always bearing in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. He said, We are going through a lot of hard things, but we're not discouraged. What is our goal? We, and he's going to say this in a moment, we die in the flesh that others might live spiritually. Many years ago, I can remember my first group of young people that were stepping up to start taking being a bus captain in our church. You know, a bus captain maybe starts out as a helper once in a while. and They start saying, I really believe in the bus ministry and reaching kids that wouldn't go to church any other way. And they come in, in Sunday school and neighborhood Bible time. And they accept Christ, and I want to get a van full of those. And, I want to, and they get a burden for that. And I can remember there was like three or four teenagers that really got burdened. And wanted to do that. You know, one of those was Christine. Brother Mossman's wife. Another one was another Christine. Another one was a boy named Charlie. And some different ones that were willing to come out. every. But it occurred to them somewhere along the line. If they were going to come down and be a bus captain. Then they pretty much had to give every Saturday morning at 9.30. Till almost noon. And just give it to the Lord. Go out faithfully. And then they had to come down to the church early on Sunday morning, about an hour before everybody else comes. And they had to go around and knock on a lot of doors. And it some days it would be raining. Some days it would be a beautiful day. But they had to do that 52 weeks a year. And they had to commit to that. Now, I ask you, what 15-year-old or 14-year-old doesn't want to sleep in every Saturday they can? Or they want to go riding their bikes. Or they want to watch cartoons. Or they want to go down and play some basketball at nine ten o'clock in the morning. It is a real dying to self. And I can remember having to talk with some of the different teenagers and I'd say, you know what? I'm I'm not going to make you do it, but I tell you there's a great need. You pray about it. And watching several of those teenagers over the years, and I've watched it over the last 40 years, I've watched men and women, and I could call out some of the men and some of the ladies over the years that have laid this down as unto the Lord. They die that others might live. There's no shortcut to get the gospel out. Today, I don't think it's a mistake that I preach this message and we have three missionaries here. Do you know what those three missionaries did somewhere in their life? They said, Jesus, I want to get saved. Jesus, I want to get baptized. Jesus, I want to grow in the Lord. Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to get prepared for whatever missionary ministry you have for me. And then the Lord laid on their heart India, Thailand, different places like that. And they said, you know what? I could be a lawyer. I could run a business. And do you know a missionary that has enough SNAP to go around the country raising support, go into another country, go through all that and start a ministry, would they probably have a pretty good business? Do they have a lot of drive and energy and expertise? Sure they do. But they laid it down. And we say, praise the Lord for missionaries. They've just done it on a grander scale than we should be doing on a local scale. That's how a Sunday school teacher becomes a Sunday school teacher. 40 years, 50 years teaching a Sunday school class. That's how somebody picks up a ministry of of picking up people in their car and bringing them to church. That's how I got growing in the Lord. A neighbor carrying me every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, stuffing me in their car. They picked up that ministry we had six kids in our family and these neighbors picked up all six of us over all the span of those 30, 35 years and that's a ministry of light and I tell you what our flesh resisted but I believe God has given to us I'm going to say God has given to all of us a ministry have you fainted? Have you fainted? As your pastor, I've called you to come out and go out on Saturday morning soul winning. Have you come? As a pastor, I've encouraged you to carry tracts in your pocket and pass them out. Are you doing it? As a pastor, I've tried to challenge your your workmate. Have you talked to him or her personally about Christ? Are you doing it? Have you received this ministry? He says, I'm trouble on every side, and yet... Uh, the Lord's with me, that I might manifest Christ in this world. Look at verse 11, verse 12. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Mark verse 12. If you don't mark your Bible on anything, mark verse 12. That is what ministry is about. I die, you live. I give up my time that you might live. I invest my talents so that you can live. I give up my finances somewhere so that you can live. I die, you live. Can we reverse that? I don't die. You don't live. This city needs Jesus Christ. If we took all the adults in this auditorium. And for the next two months, right up into the new year, we were aggressive with getting the light of the gospel out like we knew Jesus was coming on January 1st. The world was going to come to end. We were totally convinced of it. And we just had this personal revelation that was true. And we just poured our wonder what we could do. That's the kind of dying that makes people live. You say, well, I wish the church well. Boy, we got Pastor Eric here. He's got a lot of work to do. We have received this ministry. God put Westside Baptist Church right here on this west side of Houston and Katy. And God wants us to have that light. Look on, please, if you will, in verse 13. We have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. This verse is very important. He says here, we have the same spirit of faith. What is that spirit of faith? Well, if you were here Wednesday night, I went to Hebrews 11, so I'm going to take us back there. Take your fingers and put them in 2 Corinthians and just jump over to Hebrews chapter 11. What is faith? It's defined for us in verse 1. We having faith, having this faith, this faith in Jesus Christ, this faith that he died, was buried, rose again, faith that if I believe in him and I have him as my personal Savior, God the Father will likewise raise me up. I have faith that that is true. Look at verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what is my faith? My faith is that when I die, in Jesus Christ, I will be raised up. And what is the evidence of that? I passionately live my life that way. It's the evidence of things not seen. I live my life knowing that's what really matters more than anything else in the world. people coming. Paul says, I have that faith. It's the evidence of things seen. These, This is what matters in life. Go back, please, to Hebrew, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 again. We have that same spirit of life. I believe, therefore I have spoken. Also, we believe, therefore we speak, knowing that he which hath raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Christ Jesus, and present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through thanksgiving of God, redound to the glory of God. This is the kind of life God has glorified. People that are willing to lay their lives down for the gospel advancement of the kingdom. Verse 16. He goes back to a word he started the chapter with. For which cause. In other words, This gospel ministry, for which cause? What's he saying next? We faint not. Because by faith I absolutely believe this is what it's all about, I am so laser focused by faith on Jesus taking me to be with God, and my life is hidden with him. I am so focused, I am not going to lay and aside this call, and I'm not going to faint. But though, look on in verse 6, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That sort of hinders it harkens back to those verses where I'm beaten and left for dead, and, and I'm distressed, and all these other, but he said, even though my outward man is going through some rejection, even though people may be stone me, even though people may not want to talk to me, even though my outward flash is going through, uh, we don't faint. Why? Because we keep the inner man renewed. Can I suggest to you something? You're not going to be a stronger Christian in your witness than you are in your walk with Jesus day by day. Boy, I wish I could make a difference. But I wish I could be a good soul winner. Pastor, your heart, boy, my heart pounds just like yours. Though the outward man is fainting, yet I don't faint because my inward man is being renewed day by day. God gives me enough grace for today. God will give me enough grace for tomorrow. God gives me enough grace for the next day. God will give me the grace and the strength if we faint not. Even though the outward man perish, the inward man needs to be renewed. You can't be a good soul winner without having a good time in the word of God regularly. People ask me, where does it say in the Bible that I need to read my Bible every day? This is about as close a verse as you're going to get. Though my inward man be renewed, how often? Day by day. How is my spirit fed? It's fed by the Word of God. It's fed about my relationship. One of our favorite often I'll ask for favorites in the hymn book. And people will say, I want to sing day by day, and with each passing moment. Can I, Mrs. Butts, would you just step up there real quick for me? Let me just sing a little bit to you today. Would you listen to the words? 448. The outward man perishes, but day by day. Day by day, and with each passing moment. Strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure, Gives to each day what he does best lovingly it's part of pain and pleasure mingling toil with peace and rest every day the lord himself is near is near me with a special mercy for each hour all my cares he famed would bear and cheer me he whose name is counselor and power the protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid as thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge, this the pledge to me he made. Help me then in every tribulation so to trust thy promises Lord. That I lose not faith, sweet consolation, offered me within thy holy word, help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting e'er to take as from a father's hand, one by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. This summarizes, I think, pretty much as much as I could talk about in this verse. The outward man, this job we have to do as Christians, we're called to be soul winners. We're called to let the light shine out. There's a world that's blinded by this devil. We've been given a job. We've been given a ministry. And Paul says, I have accepted that ministry. I've laid my life down. It's been difficult. I've been in distresses. I've been in cares. I've been hard places and straight but God has always been there He he's given me mercy and my job to let the light that I have graciously received shine out for others I die that they might live I know Christ my life is already in Christ and now it's about bringing others to know the life that I have I by faith know that's all that really matters in life is Jesus you start putting that all together Christian where are you in that ministry Paul says this is what we need to do for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. And that idea of light affliction, our, our, our hard times that we're going through, the affliction there is the idea that we're going through um, some difficulties. It's but for a moment. That word, word moment means it's very momentarily. We think, oh, this is a hard time. Thing. I'm working on this bus route. I'm teaching this Sunday school class. I'm helping in that choir. And I, I just can't. I'm just getting so tired. And sometimes I witness to my friends and I just think I'm a crazy. I don't have time to get to the end of my message. But you know how Paul ends in chapter five, verse one, the last verse, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. That's an interesting thing whether we be beside ourselves. I I thought a lot on that. I couldn't help but think of the verse that says, Paul says, we are fools for Christ's sake. The world will never understand why you're so focused on the gospel. They'll think that we're a fool. Whether we be beside ourselves, it's unto God so focused. I'm so godly focused on my mission in life that people think I've just gone over the edge. But for you, it's being sober-minded. In chapter 5, he talks about one day that we're going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he says, one day there's going to be a judgment and God, our creator, is going to bring us as Christians and we're going to receive for the things that we have done in our life. And he goes to the next verse and he says this, therefore knowing the terror of God. I looked up the word terror, I thought, well that sounds like, it's that word terror, I don't know why they didn't translate it, it's the word phobos, knowing the fear of God. I, as I get older, it seems like that has recently been a phrase that's just been resurfacing in my life. If I really understand who God is and who I am. And I hear his call and his direction. Knowing, therefore, my understanding of the fear of God, I persuade men. I need to stand before God, and one day they're going to stand before God, and we all need to be ready. He says, I don't commend myself, but I commend Christ. I don't preach myself. I preach the resurrection of the Savior. And as he goes through all these different things, right in the middle of chapter 5, he says this, that I'm confident that if I died, I'd be with the Lord. But he said, if I'm still alive, I'm not yet with him. He says, in my spirit, I want to be with the Lord. He says, I understand. There's a much greater calling on my life. It's important that I live unto the gospel that they might live. And so he says, let me just... Read what he says. Therefore, we're always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. But whether we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. One day, God's going to look at West Side Baptist Church and He's going to look at you and me. And God's going to say, what have you done with the gospel? First of all, have you received it? Second of all, have you shared it? Have you let that light shine out? Every day that I've pulled in the parking lot this week, I've looked out front. The sign is still there. Dr. Carl F. L. Hodges, 1929 to 2020. Well done. And I think to myself, I wonder how much time God has for me. And you know, I want to take right up to the last breath of my life and breathe the gospel. I speak to a challenge and maybe to the shame of some. You have enjoyed the gospel, but you have made excuses why you're not sharing. I'm shy. I'm new. I'm not a Houstonian. I really from Indiana or Whatever. We all are foreigners passing through this land. And our home is up above. But God's told us that we're his ambassadors. We got a job to do. I call us as a church. Let's don't faint with the gospel. Don't faint with the gospel. Heavenly Father, help us as a church to embrace the gospel ministry. Help us, Lord, to have a gospel witness so bright that this area can't deny that they've heard about the road to heaven. In Jesus' name.